This week's episode is brought to you by the year 2014 when we debuted the podcast with this conversation about a now traded Av. <laughs> yeah, that was. AJ, um... would you like to comment on Steph and Ellie? No. <laughs> I've got nothing to say. Now it's our turn to. Uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, folks? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Allison, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for September 13th, 2015. That's a little low. It's season two, and coming up on the show, the Avalanche Exchange Imaginary Awesomeness for Imaginary Awesomeness. Rookie camp is underway by the time you're listening, and some of the stories we're watching this camp and this season. But before we play the whoosh, let's introduce the disembodied voices of this week. Our resident Rampage follower, Earl06, is with us today. Hello, Earl. Good evening. And coming to us from the last minute from BSN is Cheryl Bradley. How are you, Cheryl? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Oh, let's get into it. I wanted to talk first about what are the biggest things that we're looking for coming out or coming out of the uh, training camp in general. And the reason I wanted to start there is I really think a lot of us are going to kind of have... <coughs> like the same major storylines that we're looking at. Um, what are the biggest sort of battles that you're paying attention to at camp this week? For me, number one is whether Rantanen makes the team. Um, you know, that, that's that's sort of something that, that's a linchpin to a lot of things about where people line up and, and who makes the team. So I think a lot of it starts with him. And second is is whether Grigorenko can be the third center, if that's what Coach Wall wants him to be. But I think those two guys, how they perform in camp, will determine a lot of the other things. What about you, Cheryl? I, my biggest interest, actually, is Calvin Pickard and the Rado Berra battle for backup. Um, I think that the general consensus out there is that it's going to be Rado Barra backing up uh, Verlamov and Picks going to the Rampage to be their starter. But I, I think that there's definitely room there. Waugh said at the end of the season last year that in camp, it was this, the upcoming camp, it was going to be um, open game, that, that he would take the goaltender that he felt did the best job and gives them the best chance to win. And I still think that that's picks. Um, I think that the majority of the season showed that it was picks. The only thing that kind of threw a wrench in it was Rado Berra <coughs> and kind of screwing us in the whole lottery thing and deciding to, you know, could shut out and all that kind of bullshit. But, um, but I still think that it's a big story. And I still think that, that, uh, Calvin Pickard has a good chance at becoming the backup on opening night. Calvin Pickard is my big story as well. Um, that's that's the biggest thing I'm looking for. The uh, my problem with the Rantanen thing is it's just like well, I just, we don't know. We just kind of have to wait and see. Not a whole lot to talk about on that one. Um, and we won't know whether the right decisions made until he's with the team, whether that's this year or not. Um, and Grigorenko is an interesting one as well. I'm curious to see um, where he ends up in preseason games as much as they do or don't matter. I'm really curious to see where in the lineup he slots in, whether he is at the center position or he maybe uh, plays higher up in the lineup on a wing. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, that that's sort of the hidden value in that trade. I mean, if Grigorenko can... You know, be the third center. That's good. You know, a solid third center this year. That's good. But if he can play up in the in the top six as a wing, um, you know, it really boosts the team's value um, in a way that you know maybe we didn't expect. I definitely think that the idea going into it was let's see how much of O'Reilly's role this guy can replace, and given that the idea of him playing wing is is definitely open because O'Reilly spent some time there himself. In fact, he was probably most successful. 
sorry, my movie started again. Um, that's probably, I think, where he, he was most successful points-wise. Um, but I, I think that that door is open. I think that that was the reason why they, they targeted this guy is let's see what kind of versatility we have with them. And will it give us anything as far as logistically like we have with O'Reilly? Now, whether he's talent as talented as O'Reilly, that's a totally different conversation, but at least the consideration of what do we have in him and how much can he feel, fill that, that spot I think was a part of the thought process in getting him in the first place. So if you had to throw some money down on it, would you throw money down on Barrow with the team or Calvin Pickard with the team? Uh, it depends on who you're asking. Are you asking? I'm asking the, you. The, the, <laughs> well, if you're asking Cheryl, the Pickard fan, then of course I'm going to say picks. If you're asking Cheryl, the, Oh my God! Why did Ray Obera have to play well at the end of the season? Then I then I would consider probably Obera be the one. Um, but it, it honestly, to me, it depends on what Picks has done. Well, what both of them have done in the off season. How ready are they going to be for camp? What are they going to show in camp? Um, and I, I think that that's where where the money lies. And that we're not going to know until until tomorrow. So, well, not with them, but until later this week. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, I mean, I I think Calvin deserves it over Reto any day. Um, but, you know, it, it's so hard to tell whether the the better position for Pickard is, is down in San Antonio playing 60 games or, or up here in Colorado playing, you know, 2025. Um, you know, if we need to win... 10 or 15 or sorry, 15 out of those 25 games. Um, and then Pickard's the one to do that. Then, you know, he needs to sacrifice a little bit of his development and, and be the guy to back up Varley all year. Well, see, that's one of the things that that's something that I've talked to some other people about is that the idea of him getting more development if he played with the rampage. And I'm not sure that I agree with that. I, I think that he is at the point where he needs a higher level of competition. If he's going to become an NHL regular, whether it's at a starter position or a backup position, he needs to start playing against NHL players. And I, I think that that is his next step in development is coming up here and coming to Denver and being being the backup. I, I think that that's where, if he does that, that's going to progress his career more than staying in San Antonio, in my opinion. Yeah, I have a feeling you're right. Um, oh you my know, God, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, he really does, you know, I, every time he went back down to Lake Erie last year, it took him a couple games to adjust to the way the AHL works and the way the players play and, you know, the sort of lack of skill down there. And it was a little bit difficult. And that shows me that there's enough difference in what he's learning down there versus what he would learn up at the NHL level that, um, you know, it, it's probably better for him to get NHL experience at this point. And you know, I'd, I'd, really like, I'd like to see Varley play less games. If they had confidence in a backup like they had in Jaguar, you know, it'd be nice to be able to play the backup 25 games instead of, you know, 18. You know, save Varley's legs until he, he really needs him at the end of the season. I, I agree with that completely because, I mean, we've, we have seen that Simeon Varlamov likes to play this extremely, this aggro, super bendy, flexible goaltending style where, I mean, if he's, he's going to be in position, but if you happen to beat him, he's going to just overextend for it and... If he's doing that for seventy games out of the year, he's not going to be durable. Um, yeah, it's just everything gets magnified. I think we saw that last year. He might have had a small problem that through, you know, maybe it was the overuse, maybe it was just the way he plays stresses everything so much that little things turn into big things quickly. You have to have confidence in your backup, and I don't have confidence in Red Obera. And it became clear in the middle of last season that the Avalanche don't have confidence in Red Obera. That's why I think this is honestly um, Pickard's job to take, but he does have to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he can. I absolutely think he can. It just, 
how much is the end of the season going to be more fresh? And this is such a terribly constructed sentence. Um, (laughs) How much more fresh in the minds of the coaches is the end of the season going to be as compared to the middle of the season where they call up Pickard and they're choosing to start him over the official backup? What what are they going to remember? And that's why camp is so important for for both of them coming into it. They've got they've got their work cut out for them. They are both very seriously battling for that spot. And if either one of them comes into camp camp even slightly unprepared, they're going to be in San Antonio. Yeah, I know we joke about compete level or compete level sixty, but Pickard has compete level way over Barra. Um, and it's, it's not just in games, it's in practice. It's every, you know, during games, he's yelling at defensemen to move and position. And, um, you know, he, he just, he despises losing. And that's just something I haven't seen, I guess, to the same degree with, with Barra, you know, maybe deep down he feels the same way, but it just, he doesn't express it in a way that you can see on the ice. And, you know, coaches are looking for that. That's something that obviously Waugh finds important, and I, I think Calvin would have a big edge there. I would be way more concerned with uh, with the idea of the coaching staff remembering the end of the season more readily if we were having this conversation, you know, in the middle of the season. If we're debating whether it should be Pickard and Barry in the middle of the year and Barry has just got on a hot streak, then I'd be more concerned about it. But they've had all of hell month of August – to review the whole year and plan out, you know, what they want to look at. They, sh- they should have had enough room to take a long look at it, like a long, a, a wide look at it, I think is the word I want, not long, to take a wide look at it and say, you know, they, he may have had a good week or two there, but this was also the guy who struggled to have, say, percentages in the 900s throughout the rest of the season. Need yeah. I have to remind you that this is the, this staff that you're saying are going to do these such logical things are still playing some very questionable defensemen just you know you don't need to remind me of that i'm not saying that this is hey their decision making is great i'm saying it's (laughs) (laughs) it's the the availability heuristic on that is i don't think it's going to come into play yeah and for every rento vera highlight at the end of the year there's you know, there's Pickard from November to early January. And, you know, if you look at that, you can't be anything but impressed. Well, if you get on War on Ice and you look at the uh, shooting, like the save percentages in high danger situations, Calvin Pickard's is way up there. Yeah. Like, he's top 10. Because um, he's really good. Yeah. We hope that's what it is. I mean, we have, what, 30 some games of him? Or He's a human highlight film. Yeah. We, we hope that that's who he is. He's goalies are voodoo, but we hope that's who he is. I'd like that to be who he is. I think it's who he I'm is. I'm going to believe. Is, is this going to be the I believe in Calvin, Pick, Calvin Pickard moment? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to put up a poster like Fox Mulder on my wall, but instead of aliens being there, it's going to be a big old picture of Calvin Pickard. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Jim's old banner for Budai. Yeah. <laughs> Just like hastily Photoshop Pickard's face onto it and scratch out Budai. <laughs> <clears throat> Another angle that uh, people are going to be paying a lot of attention to as we get further into this week and month um, comes at the bottom end of the defensive core possibly um where we have our top two pairings are set it's going to be johnson and boschman whose name none of us are going to be able to pronounce correctly apologies to sandy um and it's going to be barry and zadaroff zadaroff i don't know which one it is i've heard it both ways well the my my philosophy on that is that verlamov made a huge deal over where you put the accent in Russian. So I'm following that same thing. So, so Lama, it is Zadorov for Zadorov. sure. That that's, that's what I think it is. That's the, I've heard it the most that way. And it follows 
the speech pattern that apparently is the way you pronounce Russian names. Well, you got to remember that uh, Nail Yakup is known by most of us as Nail Yakupov, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spoke true. Russian for a number of years, and it's the second to last syllable you usually accent. So, Zadorov. I'm glad to have some experts in the room today. <laughs> well, he's an exer expert. I'm just going off of, you You've know. just seen the replays. <laughs> I'm just glad to have my non-expert opinion verified by an expert. There you go. <laughs> twice I'm right tonight. Holy shit, I'm on a roll. Nice. So we're looking at, in the bottom pairings, we've got this nice little cluster um, is probably the positive word for it. We've got Nate Gannon, Brad Stewart, Nick Holden, um, Zach Redmond, while we have Duncan Siemens, Chris Begraw, and potentially, eventually, Mason Gerson um, pushing, as well as other names that are coming up the pipeline as well, Wood, Butcher, those kinds of people. It's just like, You're forgetting someone. Who am I forgetting? Yes. Gormley. Our, Our new guy, yes. Our new guy. I was going to say, you're definitely forgetting a big one and all of that. Which brings us to the other half of this conversation, which is happy trails to <laughs> Stefan Elliott. Cheers. Uh, wish him the best of luck in Phoenix. I mean, in not Phoenix. I, you know what? I think that this is the best possible thing for him. It really is. Because he was never, ever going to get a real shot at the abs again. He just wasn't going to get that benefit of the doubt. So now he can go to a new club and he can show everybody that he's a really freaking good defenseman. And he can be as good as Tyson Berry. And then AJ will become a Coyotes fan. <laughs> he'll transfer over to uh to bsn glendale and that'll be that <laughs> but no i i agree with that completely what i our, our new uh mr gormley is not a man i know anything about except that um professor oak was really high on him and i was hoping that we could get him on today but he is unfortunately not well um hope get well soon and things but uh was i would have liked to have his perspective on why he's so high on the guy what do you guys know because what i know is basically that he doesn't have enough num enough games played for his numbers to mean anything um yeah well that's that i mean that's definitely true but i think that i mean from the research that i've done on him um it's been a situation of he was you know the age-old story of in you know juniors he did uh just an amazing job. He was touted as a really as as a potentially elite player, and then it didn't transfer to the professional level, and he's been struggling since he got in the pros. But that doesn't mean that that it that it's still not there. It could be that situation of slow development. It could be the situation of coaching that went against the grain of his style of play. Um, it could be any number of things. And I, I think that he's such just such a dark horse right now for the team because we don't know what what it, what is going on with him. Um, is he that person that was so highly valued um, as a junior before the, his draft year and even you know thereafter, or is he the guy who Coyotes gave up on? You know, you never know. But I have faith. I'm full of faith tonight. No, I think that he's going to – I seriously, from the things I've read about the style of play and, and everything, I, I think there's a huge intimidation confidence issue going on with him. And of, of all of the, the, the things that Waugh has that can be questionable as far as his coaching is concerned, his player re relationships definitely is not one of them. He is so good at that. And – I think that he could definitely bring out in this guy that confidence and that, that skill translation to the pro level. So, yeah. Yeah, from what I've read, first of all, that Dave Tippett is not a big fan of younger players. And um, unless they show exactly what he wants to see right off the bat, then they're kind of backburnered a little bit, and that might have been what happened. Um. And I've also heard he, he struggles a little bit with confidence, like you said, Cheryl. And um, <clears throat> you know, he, he 
he definitely needs a change of scenery just as bad as Steph did. Um, my question is, you know, say say he shows well, but but not well enough to break into the the six guys that that go out on the ice every night. Um, he's not waiver eligible. Would they consider sending him to San Antonio and risk it? And risk losing him. I mean, they traded that, nothing for him. So, is this a glorified PTO camp? Or, yeah, is this a glorified no, PTO, or you know, are they treating him as a long-term asset? See that that you you just you just hit it. That is the big question, and I think that that it's gonna we're gonna see very quickly um, in camp of what mind the the coaches are, what mind. Wah is and if he is a guy that they see fitting into the organization and they really want to give him a chance i see them shipping you know down somebody like Gennon that they don't care if he gets picked up on waivers instead you know <laughs> <laughs> well i would hope that that's what they would think you know, maybe i'm projecting <laughs> well, i hope they don't pick nate Gennon up on waivers <laughs> Well, the likelihood of him actually getting picked up is so remote that I, I think they'd feel safe sending him yeah. to the Rampage. I'd feel sorry for the Rampage, but, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that's I, I, that's one thing I wondered when, you know, when they made the trade and I saw that he had filled out his waiver ineligibility. Yeah. I, I wondered what their, you know, what their thoughts were on it, whether this was, you know, a short-term or a long-term play, and you know, he, he seems like the kind of guy that they're building the organization towards. He doesn't seem like, you know, the kind of guy that they'd want to just sort of take a look at and toss away if he's no good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it seems like if he's good enough to stay with the team, but maybe isn't ready to start right off the bat, that they would probably, you know, make him the seventh or eighth guy and then they'd send you know, Redmond or, or Gennon down. Now is Redmond wager waiver eligible? Or is he clear? Yeah. He's way old. <laughs> he's like 27. Take that. Zach. Way old at 27. He's 27 already. I thought he was 25. I think he was 26 last year. Wasn't he? He went to college. That sounds right. Oh, he's educated. Gotcha. Yep. Um, yeah. It's an, that, that, trade really threw a monkey wrench in a series of articles I've been writing for BSN right now. Um, Earl, we are going to have to do some conversations this year because um, I'm taking over the Rampage beat for the BSN crew. Um, But I was doing a Rampage series, and when that trade went down, I'm like, well, fuck. (laughs) What do I do do now? I I just, you know, because that question of he can't be sent down without exposing him to waivers. So what are they going to do? That, we just traded no right goal. for left and we're kind of light on the right. So that's kind of weird too. You know, if you look at your rampage depth chart for defense, you know, you've got Noro and Clark and then that's about it. One you know, team you've at. Got, yeah. yeah. You've got Justin, Justin Hamanick who, and we picked up on an AHL contract, and, and he's right out of juniors. So I don't think they're going to make him, you know, the third guy down there if they can help it. Um, they haven't signed Ben Yowds as far as we know, but that's another AHL contract. I mean, you kind of want to keep your, your top six guys down there as, as development or, you know, ready to come up and, and take a spot. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who plays third pair right D down there. You know, and it's really interesting that we're in this predicament of being light on right and heavy on left because, you know, two years ago it was completely the opposite. They were desperate for some lefties and really heavy on right. So, yeah. But if they send Gennon or Redmond down, they're both righties, so that solves it all. So, <laughs> that again, you know, you'd think they'd want a righty and a lefty as seven and eight up on the big club not two righties like it, it looks like right now. So it, it almost looks like, you know, if everything's sort of a long-term deal with Wormley, that they've they've sort of resigned themselves to sending one of either Gannon or Redmond down and have them play for the Rampage. I say we do a campaign for Gannon. 
you know, we'll start, we'll start sending some like pamphlets of housing developments in San Antonio. Is there a dog shelter down there we can donate to when he scores? <laughs> I'm sure there is. I got a great thank you letter from them, from the Longmont uh, uh, Animal Shelter, by the way, for all of the MHH donations that came their way because of Gennon. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that was a cool program. I don't think we ever actually hyped it on the show. I wish we had now. I forgot about that. Um, I knew they got lots of my money. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, the best thing about this Elliot trade is that if you remember last season, Elliot, you know, just passed through waivers. So we've a, a guy who did not get picked up for free on waivers. We just got an asset for. So well done yeah. there. Well, he had a horrible camp. I mean, if he had had a good <laughs> camp and passed through waivers, that would be like, oh, golly, you know, but. And it certainly wouldn't happen this year with the season he had last year. Uh, there was just no way that he would pass through this year. Oh, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, it also might have been Phoenix was sort of sniffing around saying, hey, if you're going to put Elliot through waivers, we're going to claim him, so maybe we can make a trade here. Well, I doubt they'd say that because they would want to claim him for not giving anything else. Well, you, you lose your waiver spot if you do that. So if they had, if they were just oh, that's getting really anyway, they're like, hey, we, we both have problems you know, let's not lose our spots in the in the in the waiver pickups, and we can just swap these guys. Yeah, that's a good point. But based on what you were saying um, about Tippett, that makes me concerned that Elliot's not going to get what he needs there either. It should Although be. he is a little bit older, but um, they're, well, like they're one year of, older. Yeah, yeah, he's a year older. I said little. <laughs> But, you know, just looking at, at what fans write on the Internet, and I know that's complete idiocy, but just, you know, the, the thoughts were that, <laughs> you know, it, it would be tough for a guy that's young and you know, in Elliott's situation and make the team right off the bat. But then other people made the, the case that, you know, golly, they really need some scoring, of, you know, from the right side and they need someone who can – you know, work on a power play down there. So, you know. Well, they definitely got that in Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like he, he scored 19 goals in the AHL last year. 13 of them were on the power play. If you want someone who can score on the power play, that's your man. Uh, uh, well, not like the Avalanche needed that. <laughs> <laughs> he did his darndest. <laughs> But the uh, the Avalanche bottom pairing in in this season is gonna be definitely not like set by October, but it'll be interesting to see who they keep up through uh, through camp and through the preseason games, and just kind of where that ends up. Whether we see um, anybody crack through that cluster of four guys that I mentioned earlier: uh, Stewart, Gennon, Holden, and Redmond. Um, whether we see any names like Duncan Siemens start the year with the Avalanche or um, or anybody else like that. That's yeah, right. that's not going to happen. That's you where the, the Siemens yeah. is going to be up. That's Barring an injury, I don't see that uh, happening. Maybe not him in particular, but somebody in that bucket. Yeah, I don't think Bigra is going to be up either. Yeah. I think that I think that you're looking at that that group of people and 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 that's it who who of those people are going to be with the abs and who aren't because i i just don't see them putting either of those guys to start and at the abs unless i mean unless they just come out and dominate in camp yeah cuz they know, i mean if they're if they're going to stay up they're going to have to play so they're gonna, they have to beat out three guys not just one yeah so that's a big ask, and, <clears throat> you know, again, barring injuries, I just don't see it. And it's, it's a good point that that's not necessarily a black mark if they don't make it either, because we don't want yeah. them in the press box when they need to be, you know, learning the pro game. So yeah, let's, uh, just Plus, I'd, let's not write might, off busts. What might happen is, is you know, let's say Bosch and EJ – and then Zadorov and, and Barry really click, and they really start eating up a lot of minutes. And whoever's on the third pair really starts getting marginalized. You know that might, you know that might encourage Wah to say, "Hey, you know maybe I'll bring up Duncan 
or maybe I'll bring up Bigra and, and let them play on the third pair for a little bit. Um, Give them a know. taste. Little exactly. Teaser. You know, it, it, teaser it, trailer. Exactly. It's just that, you know, the defense was so bad last year that you just couldn't afford to have a rookie anywhere. So um, if the top four guys really look good out there and, and he's very confident that they could eat up all the minutes, then you know, <laughs> I'd have a problem putting a rookie in the lineup. Oh, you, you said we couldn't put a rookie anywhere in that defense. Then I pictured the defense and thought of like five jokes all at the same time. My brain fell apart. I'm, I'm speaking as, as from the Avs perspective, believe me. So with with that being some of the stuff that we're looking at, um, at least at the beginning of the year, the beginning of camp, as my voice starts to leave my body, uh, is there anything league-wide that you're interested in following this season? Well, before we go league-wide, I wanted to get you guys' take on Freddie Hamilton and the fact that he hasn't signed a contract yet. Um, I know he's just, you know, he's probably not going to make the team anyway, but, um, you know, it's, it seems odd that Steph hadn't signed and then he was gone, and, and now Freddie still hasn't signed, and, and he, he might have been in rookie camp starting tomorrow. Yeah. If he had signed. So, I don't know. What, you know, what, what does that say? What was his contract status? Was he RFA? He, he just finished his ELC at the end of last okay. year. <clears throat> so he's waiver eligible, and he, you know, he's still RFA for quite a while. Well, given what just happened with Elliot, I have to believe that huh. it's, it's a similar situation. Yeah. But as, at least as far as the Avs are concerned. I yeah. don't know what's, yeah. what's going on on his side. I, you know, th this is just me projecting, but I have a feeling that he wants to be a center and doesn't see a spot for himself anywhere close to the Avs, um, you know, <laughs> unless we get decimated with injuries again. But, um, you know, maybe he just doesn't see an opportunity here. That, that's the only thing I can think of why he hasn't signed yet. He, you know, I can't think of any other good reasons why he hasn't. Well, I mean, what what would be the benefit to not signing if that's what his motivation is? What is he going to get by not signing? Traded, I guess? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he seemed okay with the organization. I don't know. He seemed okay in Lake Erie. I mean, he and Agazino played for a couple of years together um, in juniors. So I'd, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know what the deal is there. But it, it just seems odd that, you know, we – the Avalanche gave him, I think it was 17 games at the NHL level, and you know we played a little in the AHL, and, and you know we have this difficulty here. I, I, it's just hard to figure out what it might be, but it, it it does look like he might be gone. And he may sign by the time this podcast drops, and then you'll yeah. look funny. Yeah, he could, <laughs> he could have signed this morning before physicals and. Or he, you know, maybe he wasn't going to go to rookie camp anyway, and he's going to sign Wednesday night. I don't know. It's another one of those we'll see situations, I guess. Uh, unless he wants traded out, then the only other option is just that he wants a bigger contract than he's going to get, and he isn't going to get a very big contract, so that would be pretty silly. No, I mean, if Picker took what he took, then he's not getting more than that. So, stories league-wide this season that you guys are paying attention to? What's interesting? Yeah, three overtime. Yeah, the, do you think that's going to be fun to watch, or do you think that's going to be a shit show? Because I am not I'm sure. Excited. Well, I'm excited. I thoroughly enjoyed it at the AHL level, so I'm, I'm thoroughly excited. I think if the coaches try to win, it could be exciting. I think if, if coaches put two defensive defensemen out there with a with a puck possession forward... They're going to lose. And No, nah, they can just grab the puck off the face-off and skate around for five minutes and then take their chances in the in the shootout. And that I easy, hope huh? that's... I hope statistically that's not what things point to as being a smart strategy. I, I hope the smart strategy comes out that, yes... You put good guys out there who are trying to score all the time, but it's the NHL, and that's not that's not generally how it works in overtime. 
you got to think it's going to be at least a little bit exciting when you have guys like Matt Duchesne and Nate McKinnon saying, oh, yeah, I yeah. can't wait for this. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, I think it's going to be more fun at first. I think as, the, as you get closer to the end of the season and, and you get a little conservative play creeping in there, it could become less fun. And also as the coaches learn how to play it and defend it. But um, I think right off the bat, it's, it's going to be amazing. So who's your top three for the Avs? Who do you start three-on-three overtime with? I'd go EJ, Dutch, and Landeskog. Okay. I think, you, I think you need a fast guy for breakouts and to push the play. I think you need a good two-way defenseman, not you know like a Barry... Not like a guy that's going to pinch a lot, because I saw a lot of times last year in the AHL that defensemen that get really involved with the offense end up looking at two two v zeros going the other way. Right. But um, you also need a guy like Landeskog that can retrieve the puck and sort of possess the puck for a guy like Duchesne. I, I think having sort of those offsetting qualities in your two forwards out there is is going to be a good strategy. And in that same vein, then you've got McKinnon and Againla, yeah. I think is the next uh, next group out there. And then with Barry, I, I think you've got some great dynamics going on there. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see how coaches figure out, you know, who works with who and how. And, you know, forward and in, in, in the defense – they sort of merge into one because you're really playing one-on-one most of the time. Um, so it, it's, you know, you could put Barry out there with another defenseman, let's say, and, and treat Barry as a wing because the way he plays, you'd kind of want him as a wing in that situation. That'd be so fucking close. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what? Tyson Barry, Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson. GG. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or Zadorov, or I mean, you know, there's there's lots of things that can go on there that could be very interesting. So I, it, it's really going to be fun, I think, for the first few months, just because I mean they're going to be trying shit. And yeah, that's for sure. I've got two league-wide stories I'm paying the most attention to. Number one is whether Tampa um, has a oh. year as good as last year, um, and also what happens with Steven Stamkos, whether he gets extended or not. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. That is big. Um, and I'm I'm also really interested to see how. Well, this will surprise no one who knows that I'm a Phil fan. I'm really excited to see Phil with uh, Phil Kessel with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I hate Pittsburgh, but that's going to be a fun offense to watch. Do you think he'll? I mean, I know he's slated to go with Crosby right now, but do you think he might work with Malkin as well? And and how how would you think? You know, working with either guy would would sort of contrast. Oh, I th- I think he would um, possibly even work better with Malkin, but we'll have to yeah. see as the year goes on. But just just because Malkin is such a power guy that I mean, even if you do have the shot that Phil Kessel has, you're not going to shoot 100, percent and then Malkin can be there to do his thing. Um, yeah. But I talking mean, three on three in overtime, having Malkin Kessel and you know, I don't know who cares on defense. <laughs> Jesus uh. Christ! <laughs> and and then if that doesn't work out, well, then you've still got Sidney Crosby to go. Yeah, there's your backup plan. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, th- I think having Phil, that's just going to be fun to watch. And I, I do despise the Penguins, but you know that should be really interesting. But they had such a top-heavy cap structure already with Sid and Gino making what they make, and then you add eight point one a year for for Phil Kessel. Did any of his salary get retained? I honestly don't remember. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it did. I could look, but I'm, I'm really interested to see where that team goes. I don't know that they'll be that much better. I just think they'll score a lot more. Because <laughs> you know you're right with eating up that much cap. I don't know what the rest of their team could look like and what kind of depth they could have. You know when you're committing. I don't know. Close, close to. What that <clears throat> Over forty percent of your cap to three guys. They retained one point two million. 
So it's probably right at forty million for those three guys. For like a while, actually. <laughs> Jeez. <clears throat> for a long time. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, that's a long deal. He just he didn't sign it that long ago. Yeah. So, ouch, town. Well, Cheryl, what are you watching? Uh, for leaks, yeah, you know. It's not something I really want to get into talking about on this podcast or whatever, but um, the legal issues of players across the league and what teams are going to, if the teams are going to start doing anything to address them, because there's been some serious shit going down. And I mean, you've got the situation with the Kings and, um, you know, they're welcoming, welcoming Voinov back with open arms and nobody's talking about any sort of team rehabilitation for the guy or anything like that. And, and and then they turn around and, and try and slip out of a contract with Richards. It's like what, you know, like that's, that's too immoral. You're taking painkillers that that's not going to (laughs) fly. So looking at that and then, you know, looking at, at, um, Kane and his stuff and then O'Reilly and his stuff and, you know, there's been a lot more. Maybe it's just because I'm paying attention more. I don't know. But it seems like there's a lot more uh, legal altercations going on. Maybe we just know about it more. I don't know. Cause it That's used what to I be think it is. That we just know about it more. Because it used to be that the NHL didn't have as much as other sports. And now we're just right in the thick of things like everybody else. And, and I just, I, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about the, um, here I said, I wasn't going to talk about it and I am, but I was talking recently about with somebody about how in the league, there's the, the alcohol and substance abuse counseling stuff that they do as minimal as it is, it's there. Are they going to start doing that with domestic abuse or, um, just, or even not even domestic abuse, but physical altercations with people out and about, because there seems to be a lot of that stuff going on and, and, and is the league going to do anything to address it? So that's one of my big stories to watch. I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot out of it. I don't think anything's going to happen, but I'm anxious to see what does, if anything. Yeah. Casey retweeted a good article from Jules from the crown about that today. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but, but look in her timeline and it's basically a response to something that LeBron wrote yesterday. And, you know, it's basically LeBron was sort of saying the NHL is doing fine with all of what you just spoke <clears throat> spoke about. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's and, not in our sport to shut the yeah, fuck up. Exactly. And it, it was a good response to that as far as, you know, look, there there are problems and they do need to be addressed somehow. And you can't just PR it all away. I mean, you, you know, you've got some guys that are possibly in some deep trouble here with some things that aren't just, you know, brawling after a bar you know, jaunt around the town. Um, But, but that was, you know, that was interesting to see sort of the fans standing up to the media and saying, look, you know, this isn't okay. I mean, we, we as fans love this sport and, you know, we'd, we'd like to see something positive come out of this. We don't want to see our players getting arrested. We don't want to become the NFL. So, you know, take some responsibility and do something about it. But that kind of writing out of a national outlet is why I say that this is we just know about it more because hockey yeah. has traditionally been such an old boys, you know, club. Even there, because it, I think it's because it's so overwhelmingly white that it has this problem worse than other sports. But it's just everything is now. We're not going to talk about that. We're just going to yeah. leave that aside and we're going to go play the game, get out on the pond, and hit the biscuit back and forth. Yeah, and it, you know, and and with the the rise and power of social media it's it's impossible to to bury that shit anymore right. you just can't do it yeah, but uh earl you said that was from uh sbn's jewels of the crown no it was lebron wrote an article for espn and then jewels from the crown wrote sort of a rebuttal to it <laughs> um, okay cool if you look in in casey's timeline it's in there she she retweeted it this morning now, is Voinov still in ICE custody? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because he no, was in... He's... No, he's been released. Has he? Okay. 
Because the last I saw Yeah, he served, he served 45, like uh, 90 days was his sentence, and that was a joke, and he served 45 of it. But then he got arrested by uh, Immigration and Customs. Like, he was in danger oh, of being deported. Oh, oh, oh. I yeah. don't know about the status of that. Yeah, last I heard, they were trying to, you know, they were speaking that he might be deported. Well, you know, God love them if they do, because <laughs> at least they've got their shit together. I don't know. I mean, oh, that whole situation makes me so angry mm -hmm. that they, that, and, and it, this may, may, this this will sound bad and it will reflect poorly on me, but but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the fact that they did that with Richards, I think that it makes the way they're treating the Voynov situation that much worse. I mean, it would be bad enough as it is that they're like, oh, yeah, come back and play with us. No problem. You beat the crap out of your wife. It's OK. We still love you because you can play well. But then to have that situation of their just <sighs> abuse of, of contract you know, the, the contract speak to, to get rid of a, a contract that they didn't want. I, it just speaks volumes about, about the league, about the team, about, about all that stuff. And it makes me really mad. I'm going to sound like way cynical on this one. I find it hard to hold any team responsible for decisions like that because a team has one job and that's to win. This is something that the league needs to handle because if a team can get an advantage, they're going to. That they yeah, but they exist for one that. purpose, and the league but, is here to rein them in. Yeah. But, but I think that, that that kind of mentality is a huge part of the problem. The idea of, well, it doesn't matter. We don't care. We just want to win, so we're going to do what we can do, what we do to win. Whatever that means, we're going to forgive any sins. We're gonna, and I think that that is the kind of situation where you get these, these pro athletes that think they can get away with anything. Because they know they're so talented, the teams need them. And that is exactly where the problem lies. If the teams manned up and said winning isn't worth that kind of, you know, just like immorality, that we are going to separate ourselves from that. We're going to take the high ground and we're going to do what we need to do to win and hold our heads up high, things would change. People wouldn't try and get away with as much shit as they do. I just don't think it's realistic to expect people to do that. I don't, I don't, yeah. And maybe from a different team you might get that. I mean, for a team that's owned by a huge corporation like the Kings, I mean, it's just, it's totally Machiavellian. But, uh, you know. I don't think the, you should, I don't think, I don't think you can excuse it away though, whatever. Oh, no. I, I just, but, I mean, if the league isn't going to do anything about it, and I don't see where the upside for the league is here. You know, they're they're making money off stars that are marketable, let's say. Is a guy like Voinov marketable right now? No. Not he will be all. in Russia when he gets deported. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's like they, they can't market this guy. I mean, you know. I, you know, I disagree. <laughs> I totally disagree. I think that he can be marketable. I, I think that there is a a horrible discrepancy between what 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 someone would think of what happened to you know somebody personally that they know and a person playing for the team because i think there are enough people out there that are going to have the same attitude Steve, that you were just saying about the teams whatever it takes to win i think that he's plenty marketable because he's what if he's what they need to win if he's going to what is going to be the difference between them you know, barely making it through to the pay playoffs and winning another Stanley Cup, people aren't going to care. If the league doesn't care, if the team doesn't care, fans aren't going to care. And that's the problem. I mean, do you think female fans could seriously want to be marketed to with, with Slava Voinov? I mean, that just, I don't do know. You seriously, do you seriously think that NHL cares about whether or not female fans are having a positive response that's to marketing? It's, I mean, it's got to be part of their strategy. I, you know, <laughs> you're, you're very optimistic because it, it's female fans are very, it's not small just pink picture. jerseys anymore, Cheryl. They care about women. Uh huh. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. By the way, winter tryouts for ice girls. 
<laughs> but I just I feel like it has to come from the league. It has to be from the top down, just to prevent that whole problem. I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all that it has to start with the league. But I I think that the league has to do something about the fact that the Kings are doing this, that they're circumventing one contract over an incredibly minor issue for which the guy hasn't even been charged legally while welcoming back with open arms a guy who has been not only charged but found guilty of something as severe as domestic abuse at the level that he did it. I think the league definitely has to come down on that because the team's going to do it. Like, I I mean, I agree. The team's going to do what they need to do to win, but that's not okay. And something needs to be done to stop that kind of behavior. Let's say it's a both or neither situation for the Kings. Let's say they can either have Voinov and Richards and his contract back or neither of them. What do you think they'd choose? Great question. I think they'd probably take both because they like Voinov so much. <laughs> and then they'd and then they'd bury Richards. They'd send him down to the AHL, hope somebody picks him up on waivers. I think they would take the contract hit because they like Voinov. As disgusting as that is, I think that that's what they would do. Yeah. I used to be a huge. I used to be a huge Kings fan. Anybody who's known me. For you know, for years, knows. I mean, I grew up in in Southern California. The Kings were the the team that brought me into liking hockey, and I, I I loved the team. They were my second team until all this happened. And now I don't want anything to do with them. I just don't. And we need to uh, move along to some questions from the mailbag thread. There's only a couple of them. We can do them pretty quickly. So let's close that one out. I think we can all agree <laughs> with uh, with fuck the Kings. Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, let's get to some questions. The first one I'm going I'm to bring out comes from B-Hull's nemesis. He wants <coughs> us to talk about whether McKinnon will be on the wing or at center and who Duchesne's wings are going to look like. I think we're going to – I know we're going to start with McKinnon at wing next to Soderberg, right? That's the plan. And that's the plan. Do you think that lasts? Uh, you know, how good is Soderberg going to be? You know, that's – that's the key there. I mean, I think they're sort of in a unspoken competition for that spot. Man, I think Soderberg is going to surprise a lot of the naysayers league-wide, and not because he's better than they think he is, but because he's playing between Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon. I think you're right. I, yeah. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, we should just move him to the third right now, and I'm, I'm like, you know, give the guy a shot. I mean, yeah. I honestly think he can do well there. I mean, I, if you can't, then what good are you? And... You know, I, I, you know, I, I trust the Avs' talent eye in the in the move that they made there. So, I, you know, I think he's going to do fine there. But, I, you know, like I said in the, the True False series we had over the week, I think once once McKinnon starts really dominating play, and and really sort of being the driving force behind that line, he will in effect become the center, and and then he will start lining up at center. But I, I don't think arbitrarily making him a center is in anyone's best interest. Okay. Um, what about Duchesne's line? Do you think he continues to see Tangay and Aginla? I hope yeah. not. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I think that they were developing something that, that, that could be special, and I'd like to see them still together. I just worry about Iggy's effect on Duchesne. What do you mean? It just it, it looks like Duchesne's numbers were really dragged down by by Iggy's sort of lack of defensive play, and you know, it, it's one thing you know, yeah, he scores a lot of goals, and that's great for Dutch, but it just seemed like that line never really sort of produced the way it could have at both ends of the ice. And I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of sheltering a line like that. That is a good point. I didn't take into consideration the defensive side of things, just looking at the, the point production. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, is a great goal scorer, and having someone like Duchesne feeding him is great, but it just, 
I'm you know, if you're not confident in going 200 feet with that line, it's just it's really tough to justify having it together. But then, you know, what do you do with Iggy besides that? I was going to say, so yeah, so what do you do? I mean, if you're not going to put them together, what kind of what? I don't know. I do I honestly go? think, you know, there there might be reason to try Aginla with Soderberg. You know, if Soderberg's not quite as fast as Duchesne, which we know, and maybe he's more on Iggy's speed and they can, you know, create better together. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, that's something I'd like to see just because I haven't seen Soderberg play yet. But I don't know. Well, unfortunately, I, I you're not going to see a whole lot of it at camp other than within drills because... No. That is one of the things that that is a big change for camp this year is that they're cutting out scrimmaging, um, and I I, I don't I I'm not okay. I mean I, I'm not cool with it. I don't think that that's the best way. But you know what, was coach. So you know. camp's only two days long. I, I think they'll scrimmage during you know preseason as far as you know when they're starting to play games and whatnot. I, I think the two days that we have Friday and Saturday for flat-out training camp, I don't think they'll do any scrimmaging. But I, I think yeah. they will be on that. I think they're concerned that guys take scrimmages off. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> scrimmaging was way better than doing drills. <laughs> Faux show. Um, I'm going to paraphrase the shit out of this question. Um, because this is EJ2K6. Um, given some of the uh, new personnel that have come into the team, we know that there's a big possession problem. Are there any systemic changes that we're going to be able to see this year um, to improve the possession game? And I'm going to start by saying better defensemen was, are going to make better breakout passes. We're going to see a lot less punting that gets immediately turned over. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't think we need a better system. I think we need better people executing the system. Exactly. exactly. If the system needs to adapt to that, it will. And it will get better. Um, yep, I'd agree. I, I, I don't think the, the problem was with the system. I think the problem was with the personnel and not just the personnel available, but the way in which the coaches used the personnel. And, um, and I that that's that's a great question and something to be watching for this season is what changes Wad does to his policy of using players but um yeah i agree not the system doesn't need changing it's just the personnel that needed work patrick Wah, beard or no beard beard i'm not a big I, fan yeah. of beards but Seems like everyone. Well, liked I mean, it. well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, so let let's go back. Not full beard. Well, I don't know. Not full like lumberjack beard by any means, but maybe a little bit of either some scruff or the goatee. He looked really good in the goatee. I like I like the red panda. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, we have from Hedge Duck. What does it all mean? <laughs> Which I am going to completely twist into my own question: Are you pessimistic or optimistic coming into 2015? I agree with everything Burgundy Rainbow said today. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great cameo. I loved it. Was that your idea? Yeah. No, I good one. You know, I I got in contact with Burgundy Rainbow and oh, how'd you find him? He's so elusive. I <laughs> well, camp's about to start, so I knew where he's going to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's camped outside the facility already. <laughs> he's been having hot dogs and Kool Aid for days. <laughs> I'm optimistic. I actually do think they'll get over a hundred points. I know it sounds silly, but everyone's willing to say they'll get 98, maybe 99, but no one's really willing to lay it on the line and say they'll get over 100, so I'm going to say 
They'll get over 100. Oh my god, that made me mental. People are like, no, I don't think they're a 100 point team. I think they'll get 98. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Golly, that's two shootouts. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, come on. Are they or aren't they? That's a no, but maybe. You know, here's going back to the, the overtime thing, I think that people are underestimating exactly how effective the abs are going to be in that overtime situation. Um, I think you're going to find a team that thrives in the new setup. And I, I, the, those overtime wins alone, I think, are going to put them over that 100 mark. And the great thing about that is is I think if you find something that works in three-on-three, three, it's, it's, it's going to be very difficult for an opposing coach to dream up something that can neutralize it. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to work pretty long-term if you hit on it early. And yeah. I think that could really benefit, you know, hopefully the Avs, but it, it's going to benefit a few teams for sure. I think it'll be better than last season. I don't know how much better. I'm not on the 100-point train. I'm not on the 98-point train. Um, putting a number on points is kind of silly, but I don't, I don't think upper 90s to 100 is going to be realistic this year, but it will definitely be better than last year. That's... I don't know whether to call that optimistic or not. Compared to the rest of the fan base in September, who are, you know, cup is so ours. No matter what year it is, what team it is, the cup is yours in September. Um, I think the nice thing is, even if it is 90 points again, I, I think it'll be better. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, they could have the exact same record, and it would be better. Yeah, yeah I agree. I don't think that we're going to start off with that horrific losing streak that we did. I think that it's going to be... I think that that is going to be better. I think it's going to be more, excuse me, more even keel performance throughout the season. Um, but like I said, the thing that I see that that might put it over into into higher points for the team at the end of the season is because of that overtime. Um, if they can nail it down like they have the talent to do in that kind of situation, because gosh, three on three really favors the abs with the speed that, that this team has. Um, but if they can dial that in, then I think that that's what will put them over. But otherwise I think it's just going to be more even keel throughout the season. Yeah, and even if they don't score in overtime, but don't get scored on too, I mean, they're still going to win a lot of shutouts with Varley. So. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't have any like light tinkly piano music to play over my dear avalanche letter. But, dear Avalanche, please leave me with hope for the playoffs after October this year. <laughs> <laughs> leave that under your pumpkin on your front porch. <laughs> All I want for hockey season is hope. <laughs> and all we got last year was nope. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm trying not to put too much into the first game against you-know-who again. Uh, I hate the league so much. I, I debated. I debated whether or not to buy tickets to that. But it's if it hadn't been the the anniversary stuff going on, I wouldn't have. Because God, ugh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching with my fingers. I mean, that's just gonna be gut wrenching. I mean, unless they score three goals in the first period and it's just cruising from there. But even maybe, then, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but that's you know, hockey's <clears throat> a weird game. All right, well, thanks for <clears throat> thanks for joining me on a Sunday evening, guys. No problem. And especially, it's been a while. especially last minute, Cheryl, I appreciate it quite a bit. Um, and oh, thanks to you for for tuning in, whatever day, whatever time of day it might be for you. Um, make sure that you can always catch the latest AVS updates and news on MileHighHockey.com. Make sure you check out Cheryl and the work her and her companions are doing over at BSN. Um, follow us on Twitter at Mile High Hockey. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey. Catch the podcast on SoundCloud and on MixCloud. And you can check it out now on iTunes. Leave a, leave a review, uh, rate us. All that stuff will help get us higher in the ratings. So everybody keep your head up and get to the dirty areas. And we'll have some camp reports for you hopefully next week. One thing I wanted to ask you before we started the show, um, 
could you talk to me a little bit about Bombay charts and sort of what I can get from looking at them? What the, um, you're going to tell me what that is. <laughs> Just to do a little plug, I'm sure you guys have heard, but BSN is going to start doing their own little podcast here pretty soon, so you guys can listen to those too. I will. Yeah, it, it, I will Jake, 100%. You guys might have been doing one this weekend. I was looking forward to it. Did that happen yeah, this weekend? This past weekend, no. Um, no, not that I know of, unless I wasn't invited, although I'm supposed to be. It's supposed to be regularly AJ Cole and I. Okay. Um, but now fun. that Andy's, yeah, now that Andy's in town, she's in Denver now too. We might, she might be involved as well. But That's it's so going to cool. be cool because, yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be full in the studio, you know, the, the well, studio. Not, in the in the studio, um, in the BSN offices in their conference room. But the um, the guys from BSN Radio are going to be setting it all up for us and all that. Oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be really cool. 